Welcome to the 106th edition of the Guna Podcast, recorded on the Monday evening, immediately after Arsenal's final match of the 2011-12 season, the 3-2 victory at the mighty West Brom. As usual, this podcast is sponsored by Gunashirts.com. And after last month's no-show by our more regular panellists, we have some of those familiar voices back with us again. Firstly, he has spent the season with a policy of refusing to criticise Arsene Wenger in his Highbury spy column in the printed issue of the Guna, although this has been helped by him simply not writing on certain occasions. He was accosted by five different fans at the Hawthorns yesterday for some warm words and encouragement to keep writing. It is the legend that is Mr Steve Ashford. Good evening, everybody. Next up, another founding father of the Guna podcast, Sometimes marooned in some far-off land when we're recording, due to his work commitments, he's back for the one that matters, the end-of-season review. Since we started these podcasts five or so years ago, he's aged about ten years. Some might blame marriage and fatherhood, but we put it down to watching the Arsenal on a regular basis and all the stress that entails. It's wonderful to welcome back the weird and always wonderful Mr Mark Ollington. What an intro. Thanks, Kev. (laughs) A last one, but by no means least... One of my two predecessors in this host, host chair on the very, very podcast. He now prefers to express his views on the other side of the table instead of coming up with some cringeworthy links between topics. But one thing hasn't changed. His hair. Stuck in a 70s, 80s time warp. <laughs> fashion being what it is, this time next year will be the height of fashion. Fair play to the man for returning time and again, only to face ridicule as a matter of course. He's more resilient than the pop-up fastener on Arsene Wenger's checkbook cover. It's a big hello to my favourite, Mr Joe Broadfoot. Well, I was always a big fan of Charlie Nicholas, so I thought, why not? And Alan Sunderland and all of those guys with a perm, so yeah, that's why my hair's the way it is. And then, you know, I mean, Mark always criticises my feet, but I won't go there. And there go I, but for the grace of God. And <laughs> these have been the best intros ever, I will say. They're pretty um, good intros, I've got to say. I just know I got a costume at West Brom yesterday. All I'll say is that the 107 and 108 is very, very big print. This is very small print for 106. Seriously, there's an awful lot to read out. It's all downhill from here, though, really, it's, after that. Well, you say that, isn't it? Is it downhill? Is it uphill? Yesterday saw a win against West Brom, meaning we're finishing third by one point. OK, 19 points off second place, but even so... We finished by third. Does the 2011-12 season count as a, as a success for the Arsenal as a result of our Champions League qualification, or was it lucky considering a terrible? Mark Ollington, your view. Was it a success overall? No. Am I delighted with third? Yes, I am. After the appalling, hideous start, David. After those dark January days hmm. with defeat, followed defeat, followed defeat. I would have given anything for fourth place, let alone third. Yet here we are, victorious, beating Tottenham to that fabled third spot. And you know what? It's been many years, what, eight years since we last won the league. So I'll take what I can get. Like some man whose days in his 20s are long gone and he can no longer pull the ladies, he takes what he can get and I would take third place. But the key is, for me, next season, can we build on this? 19 points off the top is a huge chasm. There is still massive things we have to look at. What's it, a worth offensive record in over 20 years? 47 goals this season. Unbelievable, 10 league defeats this season. Let's not kid ourselves, let's not get carried away, but let's breathe a huge sigh of relief that we're still there, one of the top three teams in the country. But, you know, let's remember one key thing, listeners, that we've, there's a lot to sort out in this pre-season. And we can't go 
through what we had last year, which was diabolical. The whole Fabregas and Nazri scenario, it was terrible. If RVP is going to go, probably a question for later, I'll get to that. But I'm going to say, people are going to go, let's get down the early doors. Let's get players in early doors. Let's hope the sign of, of like Podolski is like a good first step. And let's hope for that. That is the end of my answer to this question. Over to the panelists. There are, there are so, so many points you've raced. So many Sorry, points David. you've raised. No, 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 that's great. There's an awful lot to talk about. It's going to make the next... Right, can we go Seven now? minutes. Um, right. Steve, <laughs> Steve as, as far as your Arsenal glass is concerned, is it half full or half Sejny? Oh, very oh, good. Come on. Oh, come on. Oh, Thank you very much. I mean, a week. Surely we're now the best of the podcast, because yeah, we are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, my glass is, is half full, definitely half good. full. Good. Given, as Mark said, the start we had, the, 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 the close season last year, which was terrible, the January... Uh, and all this season I've tried to put a positive spin on it. It's been difficult because apart from the seven consecutive wins I think we had in October, November, the nine consecutive wins we had in February, March, beginning of April, apart from that, that's where our 16, 17 of our 20 wins came from. from. Mm-hmm. The yeah. rest of the season was diabolical. And as Arsblog says, you know, virtually every column, um, he can't wait to see the end of this season and now it's over, he's glad it's gone. So half full because of those long consecutive unbeaten runs, Half empty because a lot of the season was full of a lot of downs for, for me. What about you, Joe? Um, ultimately, at the end of this, are you just pleased that you managed to scrape third in literally the, the last few minutes, meaning St Tottenham's Day is postponed from February all the way in, in March, uh, in May? Or are you now thinking, you know what, that this is the start of everyone having a moan and Wenger starting again with this team? Well, let's hope that Wenger does take a good look at the team and decide that it's time for a major overhaul. I'm not too sure he's going to see it that way because Wenger being Wenger um, doesn't, doesn't really like to reach for the checkbook. Uh, David Dean said on Sky Sports today that that's not altogether true. He didn't really go into details, but, but you get the feeling one way or another, the club just don't want him spending money or, or he doesn't. And the, how, how involved is he with the, with the rest of the ball? We, we just don't know. But the point is, we need to strengthen that squad. That squad, um, given what they've achieved, finishing third with that squad, is is quite amazing, really. You know, look at looking at it. Last day of the season, you look at the Spurs team, and I know we don't want to do that, but you look at the Spurs starting eleven for their last game against ours. Which is the better team? I'm sorry, I have to say, Spurs had a better first eleven. I'm not and sure. I'm not. I'm not t- totally sure about that. <laughs> I'm not totally sure Spurs had a better starting eleven. If we put our first for the last day, for the last day, just the last day. But we, we, I mean, we, we, we were missing Arteta, who was argue, mm. arguably our best player last season. It was Steve, why have we not got somebody? I've been saying we need an Arteta light. We've been talking about a Fabregas light. Why not an Arteta like? Well, we do we have an Arteta somebody. like. Unfortunately for us, his name's Jack Wilshire and he's been out all season. I mean, yeah. if you look at the Spurs centre backs, Gallus yeah. and A and other, King or whoever it is. Cabal's Cabal. had a good year as much as I mean, I wouldn't so. swap any of our centre backs for theirs. Um, but then but Marlon's been, been iffy recently. I mean, I love Marlon's a bit, but he's been iffy recently. Since he, he moved back to centre back from left back, he played much better at left back. Yeah. Well, I reason. disagree. I just think yeah. he's, he's allowed license to roam forward when, whenever he wants. He's almost mm. like a forward rather than a centre back at times. That's down to coaching. But mm. Marlon's got all the talent in the entire world. It's not his fault someone's not making him stay back all the time. And yeah. why do they keep slipping over as well? All of our defenders, mm. every blooming week, I mean, without, without fail, they, they'll slip over at least twice a match. All I'll, say, really all I'll, all I'll say is during the Norwich game last weekend, as it, as it were, where I was, I was recording this, 
It was pissing down with rain. Swipe and half time, still pissing down with rain. He puts the sprinklers on all over the yeah, pitch. And lo and behold, people fall over. Yeah. It was absually fucking ridiculous. And talking of people falling over, what about the injuries? Who's to blame about the injuries? When you find out that Chesney is playing with an injury, it's only going to aggravate his condition. And yeah. then I'm so shocked and surprised. I know none of you around this table like Theo Walcott very much, and you'd love to see him seriously injured, perhaps. But say, I mean, you not shouldn't be injecting Bayern. If the guy's got a hamstring injury, he's out for the season. He shouldn't be playing the last game of the season as a sub. That's, that, that's how weak our squad is, yeah, though. Yeah. That's essentially what the manager's telling you. Madness, I mean, I mean if, you, if, you, if, you, if you want to look where Arsenal are, look no further than Man City yesterday. That Yaya Toure in the middle, a player that we can only dream of, of signing. We're already on trial for us to be yeah. on point. And they, he got injured, they brought Nigel de Jong on. I know that we have Ramsey and Coughlin. That's where we have to get to. Mm. Guys, there's an awful lot to talk about in terms of where do we go from here, but we'll just finish off with regard to yesterday, which leads us very nicely into that. that written by an expert, expert podcast editor, as far as I'm concerned. Thank you, Kev. Um, Steve, you were at Hawthorne's yesterday for the, for the West Brom game. Uh, and presumably stayed until the very end beyond that where the players yeah. have done a, a yeah. mini mini celebration bouncing Pat Rice up and yeah. down anything missing was a trophy for third place no, eight, we get a cheque for £28 million TV money there will be an open top bus ride next Thursday I'll be there Thursday. for that, be there for that. Uh, I think it's the number 19 just going up Upper Street towards Archway um, but the big thing from yesterday was that Robin Van Persie stayed out longer than the rest of the players who acknowledged the crowd after the game um, is there anything to read into, or was that just thank you for admitting I'm your one well, and only player? Well, not only did he not only did he stay out longer, he actually went back to the dressing room and then came out again afterwards. Now, I thought the only thing missing that he was looking for was a megaphone, <laughs> so he could either say "Bye, chaps, I'm off," or "Hi, I'm here now because I'm staying." But he was definitely making a statement by doing that. Uh, kind of like um, Henri did on the plane home from Paris after 2006 yeah. who yeah. stole a microphone and said yeah. next year we're going to do this that yeah. and the other then the year after I'll piss off because of my marriage collapsing yeah. but, um, but yeah, a huge smile he wasn't necessarily waving goodbye right um, but if I was a better man I'd say it was 70-30 that he wasn't going to be here next year what do you think Mark is it 70-30 in the sense that he's leaving rather than staying or do you think he's going to come out of his meeting uh, apparently happening this week with him, Wenger and Gazidis and just saying I don't want to leave but I'm not going to sign a new contract this summer My philosophy on this one is David if a good team a big team your Barcelona's your Real Madrid's of the world come in for him I think he'll go but if those teams don't make concrete big offers from the very start then he'll stay it's as cut and dry as dry that if a bigger team than Arsenal says come and join us he will go end of story but I don't think his mind totally made up so, so essentially if it's just Milan Anki Muscala or Man City it will basically turn them down for I think Man City probably would turn down and I don't know what I'd be gutted if he actually joined Man City mm. I can understand Barcelona or Real, Real Madrid I really could and, and, and you know what he'd go with the best wishes of the world really if he wants trophies why would he not go to Man City because in a way, he has been in the club eight years. It's a long old time. I believe he actually has a certain passion for the club. I know we always fool ourselves at fans, that players do, and then it's one big pay, paycheck. But you get the feeling for him, this season has meant quite a lot. He's been club captain. He's, you know, done, had an amazing season. We've stuck by him and he's been injured season after season after season. In a way, he owes us. And whilst that might be naive, whilst I might be living you know, in a, in a dream, dreamland, I like to think he won't go to another club in this country. 
But if he goes to Barca, you can't really blame him, can you? No. Mm. No, I, I mean, I, I think he'll go, and I think those, those teams will come in for him. City, United, sorry, City, possibly United, Real Madrid, Barcelona. I'll be very surprised if at least two of those don't come in for him and offer double his wages. Yeah, and when you think as a young player, he probably wants to stretch himself by going to a different league. So in a way, staying in England is not going to offer him any more fo- football-wise. He's been there for the last eight, eight years. Mm. Surely he's going to want to try a different climate, different football, you know, stretch himself there. Possibly. That's my feeling. And you yeah. always think, what, what, what about yeah. you, Joe? I mean, would you take 25, well, 20 to £25 million for an injury-prone, one-footed Dutch centre-forward? Who um, has a chocolate leg. Who's, yeah, who's yeah. 29 going on the age of 30, who only cost us £3.5 million. Pounds. I wouldn't for, for now because because we need him too much. We don't know how Podolski is going to fit in to to the team. I mean, he could be another Schmack for all, for all we know. Oh, God Hopefully not. God Hopefully not. But um, but anyway, I'd I'd keep Robin van Persie. But I think Robin van Persie may well decide he's going to leave, providing it's going to be Barcelona or Real Madrid as the next stop. Because a lot of Dutch players, for some reason or another. Love to go to uh, Spain. You can understand it now. I mean, you know, there was Johan Cruyff back in the day, and there was a lot of lot of Dutch players end up at Barcelona for some reason. So perhaps Robin van Persie will follow suit if they come in with a big enough bid. I'm not so sure they will, um, because of the reasons you gave. He's injury prone. Um, if it's if if he gets the option to go to Italy, Juventus apparently being interested. I can't see him going there. Um, AC Milan it'd be a fall to, to go to Italy I feel and I, I don't think mm. he'll go to Manchester City because of his uh, allegiance with Arsenal because you know I, I don't know it might have been a mopped up picture but I saw him with an Arsenal shirt on as a child yeah, only yeah. a couple of days ago <laughs> and, if, and if that's that's real his love for Arsenal is real then how can he possibly go to Manchester City I mean Nasri went obviously yeah. in Clichy but it seemed like Toure. we didn't particularly want yeah. Clichy yeah, at the yeah. time so you can't blame Clichy as much as Nasri but, um, but I'm afraid we're just gonna we're gonna sell sell our best assets, kind of asset stripping this club. That's what we are selling. If, if he doesn't sign do. his contract, do you think there's a chance that Arsenal might keep him to the end of his contract in 2013? Not a go. chance. Yeah, Not a chance. I, I think I think there's no way. I mean, last last season we all thought there's no way in this world that we'll get rid of Nasri and Fabregas in the same in, in the same sort of transfer window. Mm. There was absolutely no chance. And I'm sure I heard Arsene Wenger say more or less the same thing. But you know, it's more, you know, as much as he ever comes so out. So even if Wenger says, so, "I want him to stay to the end of his contract," the board will say no. Yeah, the board will it. say, "Look, you know, we've got this offer. You know, it's, it's we can't we can't turn and it what, down." Would you reckon, what do you reckon the minimum they would take for him if that was the case? Twenty million. Twenty. Million. It'd be one of those things that the papers will uh, all start printing the same region of price mm. that we thought, which will be everything between between eighteen and twenty-five million mm. pounds. Yeah. Mm. And then it's from a certain point of view, hoping that Man United are in for him because then Man City will come in for him and just drown their bid like they did with Nazari last yeah. summer. And of course, it'll be undisclosed anyway, so we'll never, never really know. That's what Arsenal do; they do a long-term contract for an undisclosed fee. I think AC Milan is too cheap for him, to be honest. Well, it is approaching thirty. I think twenty-five, thirty million is probably about right. But in some quarters, it has been said that he wants to see out his contract. So, what happens if RVP decides him himself? Do you know Mm. what? I'll play for one more season. But I'm not signing another contract. That's as feasible, surely. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if he decides that. And I think I think he's fully within his rights to say when he has this meeting at the end of the week or whenever it is, he's fully within his rights to say, Listen, I'll sign a new deal, but you need to invest in the squad. You can't expect me to, to do everything myself, you know. I'm scoring all the goals, I'm virtually assist myself. 
You know, yeah, because, yeah. because the the squad around me are just not strong enough. So so he's you know I think mm. I think if I think if he's a real genuine Arsenal fan, I believe he is. I think he actually might if he's a real genuine Arsenal fan, uh, Joe, you, you you could be right there because he might be using his contract situation and the fact that he is so valuable to Arsenal to actually get the club to invest in new players mm. which they haven't done over the last two or three years yeah, wouldn't really. surprise me if his agent turned up and said he, you, know, you put a new contract on the table and I swear to you he will put his, uh, his signature on it providing that by the start of the new season you've, you've signed the players you've just told me you want to sign to improve the club yeah. don't yeah. do that don't buy an equally good replacement then he won't sign anything if you yeah. want to sign, sell him it's entirely your decision but surely yeah. I know we've got Podolsky now but we've got to keep him whatever cost we took such a gamble this season. If he were injured at any point, we had Chimacan Park in reserve. How on earth, as a top three club, did we survive with one proper striker all season? It is bonkers when you think about it. Don't necessarily, agree with that, don't necessarily agree with that. Park really? was never played, so we don't know how good he was. <laughs> Chimac, when he did get his one chance this season against Norwich... Yeah when we were 2-1 down he came on and added something to the team yeah he diving he kept throwing <laughs> you know? himself on the ground so I have that extra target in there and to be honest Schmack at the start of last season not the one that's just finished yeah. well it's not last season you know when Van Persie had his last big injury 18 yeah. months ago Schmack came in 12 games I think he scored something like 10 goals mm. he was brilliant Van Persie came in we haven't seen him since and everyone says oh Schmack's shit how do we know that because he hasn't played we have played a certain amount of games. And when he did games. play, he was good. No, not always. Some of his Carling Cup performances were abysmal. And I think he played four games in the Champions League this season. But he probably, Each one was yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah. I know strikers need, need runs. I know what you're saying. They do better when they have a decent run in yeah. the team and so on and so forth. But I disagree in the sense that those two are not world-class players. And most top teams have three or four top-quality strikers. We had one all season. You can make an argument for Chimac potentially, but surely the reason my Park never got in the team was he was terrible in training. And Wenger thought, what have I got in? We'll have to defer to Wenger's judgment on Park, mm. but I think Chimac could go to another team next year and turn into what he was when we signed him. I he could send the forward. I don't think it will, uh, the status of strikers we've got at the moment will be the last of what we've got what we're starting for next season, bearing in mind we've only got five uh, professional strikers signed on at the club, being Van Persie, Chimac and Park, Benicophobi and Joel Campbell. Sadly, we have to pray that the Costa Rican centre-forward gets a work permit. Anyway, that's enough of the top end of the field. Going back yeah. to one of, the, one of the problems we thank you very much uh, we, we, uh, we discussed earlier on was the fact that we're having an absolute nightmare defending, not just recently, but this season. Um, Steve, we've conceded 49 goals over the course of the 38 league games, which is seven more than last season. 42 itself wasn't really very good at all. Bearing in mind we won the league in 91, we conceded yep. 17 goals. He was, he was all right, actually. <laughs> Strange gloves. But anyway, we've had Wojciech, Wojciech Chesney in goal throughout the campaign. Vermaelen's played a full season, and Alex Song isn't sure whether he's a defensive midfield player or our creative midfielder who plays just behind the centre-forward. Can you explain exactly what the issue with our defence is? Well, I'll try and explain from my own perspective. I don't think it matters what the players you have at the back there are like, how good they are, how bad they are. It doesn't matter which keeper you've got, which centre-half you've got. They always perform in the same manner, and I think that's all down to coaching. I think you could see, you could pick four defenders from West Brom and, and two defending or holding midfielders from Norwich, put them in with a good coach, and they could play for Arsenal, and they'll concede less than 47 goals. You could put Vermeilen, John Terry, um, Smalling, um, Phil Jones, the rest of them in our back four, mm. coach them as you are coaching them now, and they'll still con concede 47 goals. 
I personally think it's down to the coaching and not the playing staff. And until we address that, and we might have addressed it with Steve Bowler coming off to the first team, then um, we're still going to ship all those goals. More on Steve Bold next time. Mark, what do you, <laughs> well, no, seriously, I've only, I've only got certain things I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> l- looking at our defence, which, let's face it, has been a, been a nightmare. I mean, you've got Kieran Gibbs falling all over the place and you can't even replace him with a substitute because that's Andre Santos. Always be wary if a left-back wants number 11. Mm-hmm. Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, what, I like Santos, I think he's good. He speaks very highly of you. Yeah, that's all I can say about him. What do you think about our defence? What's the problem? What's going on? Why are we conceding so many goals? Despite the fact we've apparently got a brilliant goalkeeper and the best centre half we've had in years. I agree with Steve. I think he's hit the nail on the head. It's got to be coaching. I mean, I was re- making the point to Joe before we started recording this very show. Tommy V, top centre half. But he goes marauding forward like a winger at times. And surely there should be someone saying, Joe, what, Thomas? Stay back a bit, mate. But obviously, fingers there going at half time. Express yourself. Do what you want. Go forward. You can do what you want to do. Overall, <laughs> overall, yeah. overall, you need to express yourself. Yeah, go forward. Score the goal. And so, um, yeah, surely it has to be that. And, you know, and there's no one telling me mean, Kieran Gibbs gets forward almost as much as Santos at times. And to me, the only real defender at the club who likes to defend all, all, all the time is Corporal Jenkinson. And he's still got a bit to learn about the game. Mm-hmm. I love the corporal. Don't shake your head. <laughs> but I love the corporal. He's fantastic. But yeah. that guy, you know, he's probably the truest defender we've actually Absolutely. got. But if he dashes forward and puts a cross in every now and then. Yeah. So, um, well, since Walcott's so utterly useless going forward, the full-backs have to go up there to get the crosses in. Oh, yeah. Steve, we're talking about yeah, defenders yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. How did Theo get here? Go on, Mark, please. People shot. say Sanya's like the, 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 a marvellous fullback, and he is. He's probably one of, but even him recently has been caught out, mm. surging forward all the time, mm, so basically whipping some brilliant pinpoint crosses. Do we want fullbacks or do we want wingers? I don't know, David. It's got to be down three to two the coaching. Ten minutes ago, right? We're, we're holding on to a three-two lead. Champions League qualification depends on it. We got two two players behind the ball. Yeah, how could we not hold on to that lead? There was only a few minutes left and we still yeah. couldn't hold on to the lead. So, Joe, tell me the problem. Well, I think the problem is central midfield because they're not protecting, they're not protecting the back four. I don't think Alex Song is, is really putting in a proper shift. He's a, still a good player, but I was watching him, you know, just watching his movement off the ball and he wasn't, he wasn't particularly, you know, putting himself out to get back. He's, you know, maybe he's injected to play. Who knows? Most of the teams seem to be at the moment. But he wasn't getting back. Coquelin just, I, I think he's a very good player. I think he's played really well at right back when, he, when he's played there. But he was played in central midfield against West Brom. And, and he looked out of sorts. He just looked a, a little boy lost, really. So, so what was there protecting that, that back four? And then Vermaelen, ever since he, he did a great job at left back when he first got drafted back into the team. And then when he moved back to his proper position... I'm not quite sure what's going on with him, but he's, he's not playing as well as he was. What, you mean um, the Belgian international left-back who surges forward with his country? And keeps slipping thing. over, like the other, like the rest of Well, them. he did. I was, I, was hap- I, mean, I was happy with him as a centre-back, and then when he got moved to left-back, I was wondering how good is he going to be for Arsenal, because I hadn't seen him play there for Arsenal, and, and he did, did really well. What's the, what's the difference that in his first season that he joined Arsenal, he was playing next to William Gallas, who may be a complete arsehole, but let's face it, the guy is a hell of a centre-half, mm. and between them, they just played really well. But there. let's face it, because Shelney is, arguably, he's not playing with the season, but he's got to be in the top three. Koscielny's had a good season. Oh, I'll agree with you. I think he's a better mm. defender than Thomas Marlin has been this season. But yeah. that's because he doesn't like going forward so much. So that, and having said that, who scored our winning goal yesterday? 
Was it Koscielny? Koscielny. Yeah. Technically, Martin Freelon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, 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 and it's not getting back Guys, you're saying that the, the fault with, with our defence conceding goals is, is that there's a, a huge lack of cooperation with the midfield. If you think back to 2004 when we went invincible, Gilberto was great because our fullback, no one likes Ashley Cole, but let's face it, he was a hell of a fullback. So was Lauren going forward. And the art and the beauty of Gilberto was he was a perfect defensive midfield player. They surge forward, he will fill in and cover them. What does Alex Song do? Stand on the halfway line thinking, give the ball to me, I'm going to play a hell of a pass over the top to Van Persie. Oh shit, the ball's 30 yards behind me and they've scored. Maybe we've just got a lazy defensive midfield player and we need to improve there rather than the back four. I think there's an element of that, definitely. There's definitely an element of that because Song is, is, a, is a very undisciplined player. Uh, but if you, if you look at players like Song, Yaya Toure is the same. I mean, he doesn't necessarily sit back and present the back four or patrol the midfield or go forward. He does a bit of everything. Song does a bit of everything, but he's just a, bit, a little bit mm. undisciplined. It's, down, it's all down to coaching, sure. Guys, we're going to have to finish up in a couple of minutes, but before we do, one quick question before we go. Um, I think it's fair to say our player of the season was probably that Van Persie fellow up front. He, he was all right, actually. Poor right foot, but it will do. But after Robin Van Persie, starting with you, Mr. Rollington, who was your standout performer of this season? I've got to eat my words because I described him earlier in the season as the Nielsen Light. But it's got to be, when no. you look at the stats, you've got to say Mikhail no. Literally because, we, I think, sometimes stats do, do, do lie, and Joe's obsessed by stats. What's it, one victory, sorry, one um, win all season without him in the young team. That was yesterday. And mm. when you look at the, how much we missed him the minute he got injured, and I don't think I really recognised what he actually did when he first joined, joined the club. I wanted him to get forward, go on great runs, have a few, few, few tricks. I didn't realise he wasn't that type of player. But what he did add to the M team was absolutely crucial. And so for me, it's got to be him because he was sorely missing he wasn't playing in the M team. And he is, he is that disciplined player that we miss when he isn't there. Mm. Yeah. Steve, are you saying that to celebrate this season, you want an Arteta 8 shirt next year? I'm definitely going with Arteta, same as Mark. Mm. Yeah, I, I love the guy. I loved him when he played for Everton. Right. And I was on holiday in New York last year when I got the call at 5 past 12 on transfer deadline day, the day after mm. transfer deadline day. To say, oh my God, we've just, we've just signed Arteta. Yeah, I, I tell you, I went over and drank a bottle of brandy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bloody fantastic, great, loved it. Could have made it, could have been happier. Joe, uh, Mikel Arteta, a player so good when he was at Everton, he was linked to absolutely fucking no one. Was he your player of the year behind Van Persie or someone else? No, I'd have to agree with the others. I, I think I'd put Arteta second, but I think an honourable mention to Santos, Andre Santos. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think he's. <laughs> If I mean, you're killing me, best, guys. You're killing me. If only for his involvement. I'll tell you what. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Well, when when he came off the field against West Brom, we certainly looked more exposed down the left, and, yeah. and he gives he gives his last ounce of energy. But the problem is with him, he hasn't got a lot of energy, yeah. and he's absolutely he looks shattered <laughs> after five minutes. <laughs> he's, he's, got, he's, he's got so much skill on that guy. I think I've never seen. Him I, know, I think he's, he's so much. He's like a blue way, but like better. How can you not like Santos? He is fantastic. <laughs> Do you know what? They used to make a thing now. I might get Santos on the back of yeah. his T-shirt. Hey, if it makes you happy, that's yeah. fine. The correct yeah. answer I was looking for, weirdly, from where I sit, is Brzezinski or Theo Walcott. Brzezinski had 10 good games. I think Theo Walcott has had a huge step on the season. But anyway, more of that in number 107. More we of that. now... Well, he's better than even I'm not saying that. <laughs> I, seriously, I think, I think Walcott's had a very, very... He, he's shown that he has to be played up front. He's based on the... Can I have a good honourable mention to the uncorporal? That's... 
Okay, I think we're pushing your luck now. Guys, we <laughs> now are going to take a short break before continuing our next podcast. But as always, just to mention that if you want to email us about anything related to the podcast, our address is gunapodcast at gmail.com. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, gunashirts.com, and it's goodbye from Steve. Goodbye, everybody. Mark. Goodbye, everybody. And Joe. Bye, goodbye. We'll be back soon with more. I'm your host, David Udo, and thanks for listening. La di da di da, la di da di di, all good friends and jolly good company. Hey!